Welcome, everybody, to the NFL Show on the Grilling Truth Sports Network. The NFL Show is brought to you by Manscaped. Check them out at manscaped.com. Promo code TGT20 for 20% off your first purchase and free shipping. I am your host for the NFL Show, Mike Goodpastor. Right now, I'd like to welcome in my co-host, as always, Sam Teets. How you doing, Sam? I'm doing great, Mike. How about you? I'm doing all right. I'm just waiting for the Civil War to commence tonight. But until then, let's go ahead and look at your NFL power rankings, Sam. And ooh, there we go. You can check out thegruelingtruth.com if you want to read it. But today we're going to talk about it. Number one, this is headed into the playoffs, the Buffalo Bills. Number two, the Chiefs. Number three, the Packers. Number four, the Bucks. Was there anything? I mean, the Bills, Chiefs. I still don't know how you rank them number one because you still think the Chiefs will beat them. Well, yeah, but this is a ranking of how they're playing right now, not necessarily how I view it being a head-to-head matchup, right? I mean, that's what we're talking about here. Yeah, but if you think the Chiefs are the best team, why wouldn't you rank them number one? Well, they're not playing the best right now. I just think the Chiefs were in a head-to-head matchup. All right. I agree. I think the Buffalo Bills are by far the best team in the NFL right now. Your top NFC team is the Green Bay Packers followed by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Who do you think would win a Packaneer-Buck game right now? Well, we saw the Bucs slaughter them earlier this year, but if we're talking about right now, I would still I would still give a slight edge to Tampa Bay. And it's partially because I just think they're a more well-rounded team. It does depend on the health of some of their players. No, Mike Evans uh, had a little bit of a Injury this past weekend, they're not sure if he'll play, but they're hopeful he will. Shaq Barrett and Carlton Davis are also guys who do not play in Week 17 because of issues, and they don't have Devin White. So there's some injury concerns there for Tampa Bay. I still think I would give a slight edge to them, especially with David Bakhtiari out for the Green Bakers. Yeah, I think Bakhtiari is a huge loss. Anytime you lose your best left tackle, especially a guy as good as Bakhtiari, it really hurts you. Um, my only concern is here. It seems like the Packers have been more consistent this year where the Bucks have been more hit or miss. And I know they were great the last two weeks of the season, but you also got to consider the competition they played or lack no, of the last like, three played. weeks of the season played pretty bad teams. So that's probably why Tom Brady stacked up all the extra yards and touchdowns. He did remember they pull him at halftime against the Detroit Lions because the Lions are one of the worst teams in the NFL as we'll eventually talk about them. So the Bucks. Maybe enter the playoffs a little bit of an inflated ego, but at the same point, it's what we have to go on. And I put my faith in Tom Brady in these situations. Yeah, and they're going to put Washington to play Washington, so they're gonna they're probably gonna get to go to Green Bay shortly, and then we'll settle that argument. Number five, the New Orleans Saints, six Tennessee, seven Seattle. Would I look at this? I would actually put Seattle at number five. I just think right now, defensively, they're playing better. I still think there's a lot of questions with Drew Brees. It's not that he played poorly, but they need to have Alvin Kamara. They need to have Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas is a huge one to me. I think if you've got Michael Thomas there, the Saints may be the favorite to come out of the NFC, but without Michael Thomas, the deep threat is not there as much as it normally is, and I think teams can really stack the box to try to stop Kamara. Yeah, definitely can do that. And with Thomas right now, they're saying he's going to practice on a limited basis going up weekend, and they're expecting him to be available. They also expect to have Alan Kerr. I know he missed this past weekend because of COVID, but they're expecting to have both of those star players back in time for the first round of the playoffs. And this is what they need. Drew Brees needs to have these guys because if he doesn't have either of them, frankly, I'm not fully sold on this offense right now because Drew Brees is up there in age, and he's not like Tom Brady. Tom Brady's had a very good season. Drew Brees has missed time. He's been inconsistent since he's come back. So a lot of concerns. That's on the ball. But faith in the Saints' defense to win games against lesser competition, 
But if it's a one-dimensional team where the offense just isn't working, then obviously that changes everything. Well, how about this? I think with Seattle, when you look at them at seven, what you say here is a good point. So, so Seattle's defense is finally headed in the right direction, but the offense is slowing down. But I have more confidence with them coming into the playoffs. If it was the other way around, I wouldn't. I mean, if the offense was still tearing it up but the defense sucked, I would have them lower. And the defense playing better is why I would put them ahead of Tennessee because I think the Titans, you look at them, and there's a lot of questions whether they can stop anybody right now. And they're going to have to outscore people. And it's possible they could do it with Derrick Henry and them. But when I look at Seattle, the defense is playing better. And if the defense keeps them in the game, in the fourth quarter, there's not too many guys I would rather have over Russell Wilson. You've got a point there. I just am a little concerned about Seattle based on the past, let's say, three or five weeks at this point. Because they the Eagles by six. And it's important to note they did win most of these. They beat the Eagles by six. They lost to the Giants by five. They beat Washington by five. They beat the Rams by 11. They beat San Francisco this past weekend by three. So they won most of those games, but they're very close and much closer than they probably should be against weaker levels of competition. But I see what you're saying about the Titans. I mean, we're talking about a team that has not been able to crush other opponents. The Tennessee Titans, the past couple of weeks, have had issues. They got chewed up by the Browns and basically won half of football a few weeks ago. And they gave 38 points to Deshaun Watson. Who knows who else on that supporting cast offensively this past weekend. Yeah, I'm just saying with Seattle, I, I, I am more comfortable with them winning by five at a defensive struggle over a mid-tier or lower-tier team than I am them beating that team 44-30. to 30. Because I think in the end, what's the old ad is you win championships with defense and the ability to run the ball. I think that they will be able to run the ball. I think they can play defense. And you've still got DK Metcalf there, and they've got some really good wide receivers. So I think this is only a matter of time before they blow up. Hopefully for them, they blow up in a good way against the Rams. I really expect them to come out and pound the Rams. I think they're going to put some points on the Rams. I think this you will see Russell Wilson turn it on when we get to the playoffs. And you, you made the comment the other day that Russell Wilson seems to always kind of peter out as the season goes on. And that may be true. And when he gets to the playoffs, like the year they lost to the Cowboys, they didn't really have much. But I think this team with DK Metcalf, that's a guy who could take over a playoff game. That's a guy like Larry Fitzgerald that could take over and give you a two or three playoff game run. And I think with Russell Wilson, I mean, you're looking at a Rams matchup here where I don't think the Rams are going to be able to score that much. The Seahawks dismantled him defense or with their defense a couple weeks ago. I think the same thing is going to happen. And when you look at these other teams, they've got to play. I know the Packers can put up points. And I, I don't know that Seattle could beat them. I don't know that they could beat Tampa Bay. But outside of those two teams, and if the Saints are completely healthy, I think still Seattle is probably, you're right, the third or fourth best team in the NFC. But I think they're more dangerous now because of the defense than they would have been if the playoffs started in week six when they were scored a bunch of points but couldn't stop anybody. And you mentioned uh, DK Metcalf. I mean, just look at Last year when they played Philadelphia, I believe, in the first round, Metcalf had like, like 130. So I forget how much he had, but he was getting records at that point in time, a rookie based on his production. So he does have the opportunity to get out there and be the go-to guy in the postseason. All right, let's go to number eight. You've got the Pittsburgh Steelers, nine to Baltimore Ravens, 10 Cleveland. I think that is crazy. I think Baltimore should be ahead of Pittsburgh. I think if you were telling the truth, if Baltimore was coming to Pittsburgh this week, you'd be scared to death. You know, you're right about that. I didn't want to see Baltimore in the first round. You're absolutely right about that part. 
And if we're going power rankings, the Ravens have won like what five or six games in a row. Defensively, I don't think they're great, but they're good. They can run the ball. When I look at Pittsburgh, all I see in the last five weeks of the season was one half against the Colts, where I think if Frank Reich would have just ran the damn ball, they probably win the game. And the Steelers have a huge losing streak here, may have even lost the division. So when you look at these teams right now, I mean, I think Baltimore is better than Pittsburgh. I would even consider ranking Cleveland ahead of them. I think the problem with the Cleveland-Pittsburgh game last week, Pittsburgh sat guys. They had guys on the COVID list. Cleveland had guys on the COVID list. Now Cleveland's missing their coaches. So I could see having Pittsburgh you know, ahead of Cleveland. But I think Baltimore deserves the eighth spot. Now I think in the end, Baltimore is going to get bit by the fact that they can't throw the ball consistently well. But I would, I would much rather see, if my team was in the playoffs, which hasn't happened in a long time, three or four years, I would much rather play Pittsburgh right now than Baltimore. I can understand that. But I think Pittsburgh's defense, and you're right, I would be scared to see Baltimore in the first round. There's no team that I want to face less than Baltimore because we beat them twice this year. And beating them three times seems very, seems very unlikely. But Steelers' yeah. defense, me, is the big – difference maker here because they have a run defense they will be able to match up well against a tennessee team even though tennessee is multifaceted they will be able to match up well against a Baltimore team i, I, I don't think they can no there, there's no way they have a great run defense right now they had a great run defense when everybody was healthy but i mean the cincinnati Bengals controlled the ball on the ground against them the baltimore ravens i think will gash them i think if the ravens played the Steelers right now it'd be a three touchdown win for baltimore because i think they'd run for 300 yards i think you're forgetting the players you're missing bud dupree uh you're missing devin bush i mean there's a lot of guys missing here and it makes it a lot harder to stop the run this is not the Steeler team we saw seven or eight weeks ago maybe not but i'm gonna keep, i'm gonna keep believing it is until the very end I'm going to go well, down you, with this team. You can believe that. But once again, the Colts in the first half successfully ran the ball to a clip of about five or six yards per carry, correct? They got away from it, which is what saved the Steelers' ass. That is true. They get to get away from it in the second half. I think we were talking about that and how Frank Wright kind of screwed that game up towards the end uh, last week. All right. Next up, we got the Colts at 11. I think the Colts, Jonathan Taylor is going to have to play huge for them to have a chance in Buffalo. I don't know if he can. I think Phillip Rivers has been inconsistent. I think for the most part, he's played well this year. Number 12, you've got the Miami Dolphins who aren't in the playoffs. Um, when I look at this, Sam, I mean, these playoffs, the bottom few teams are not very good. I would actually, though, the way they're playing right now, I don't know. I could go with the Dolphins at 12. They're not a playoff team. I don't think they're very good. I think this is a team that's still a year or two away from competing for a Super Bowl. Maybe more than that. It's according to how good Tua ends up being. But I, I think defensively they're good. But they still gave up 56 points last week. And some uh, half of that was the backups in the second half. You got the Rams at 13. And I think you've got serious issues with Jared Goff. You got serious issues if you've got to play John Wolford. I mean, this is the thing. Once you get to 12 and below, I don't think any of these teams are any good. Well, no, none of these teams are going to be competing for the playoffs. Maybe one or two of them could luck into getting through the first round if they just have a very good performance. But Miami, like you said, just got smacked by a bunch of backups for half the game in Buffalo. And the Rams, I mean, if they don't have Jared, they don't really have a chance to begin with. But even with golf, I mean, they're playing Seattle this weekend, I believe. 
I would still pick Seattle to win that one by a mile because there's a huge difference between these teams at this point. The Rams, yes, they have a good defense, but that offense is so problematic. There's no way you can put faith in them. And Miami, it's the same thing. Tua can have good games, but he also has had one or two games this year where he just like, he doesn't, does he do it? You have to wonder how developed he is in the taking our year and it will click next season. But there have been games where Tua just has not had it this year. Yeah, he is a rookie. And the other thing I will say with this, how tall is Tua? I'll look it up right now. Because whatever it is, it'll be an inch or two shorter. <laughs> Usually how it goes, right? Yeah. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa is six foot even. Yeah. So to me, quarterbacks six foot and less usually struggle more than guys that are six two or six three. And that's just because it's different in college. Everybody's bigger. It's harder to find the windows to be able to throw through, which is why I think in the end, unless they're planning on letting Ryan Fitzpatrick compete for the starting job next year, they probably should have just started Tua from week one and let him learn how to play the game. He didn't make the playoffs anyways. Um, when we move on and we look at the Minnesota Vikings, I think that's a team that looks like they're going to keep Mike Zimmer. I think it's a good call because I think Mike Zimmer is in top 10 head coaches in the NFL. You got the Bears at 15. I don't know. You could switch them or not switch them. It doesn't really matter. But I can tell you this. I would go with the Vikings at 14 just because if I'm the New Orleans Saints, I'd rather play the Chicago Bears than the Minnesota Vikings. No, I agree with you because Minnesota Vikings can score 30-plus points on you fairly easily with Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, and Kirk Cousins. You have all those guys. I mean, they blew, granted, everyone blows it. They scored uh, 37 points this past weekend without Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook wasn't in that game. So if you add him in, I think they're getting over 40 easily. So Minnesota has a very good offense here. It's just surprisingly their defense this year has been the issue. Ordinarily, it's the other way around. But that defense is really falling apart in Minnesota. All right, number 16 is the Washington football team. They're far from impressive, as you put in the article. But I can say this. I don't hear people bring up Ron Rivera as a possible coach of the year candidate. But why not? I mean, at 7-9, and nine, I think Washington won three more games, maybe four more games than anybody thought they would. So if we take away the fact that they were a disappointment that they snuck into the playoffs at 7-9, and nine, I think at the start of the year, if you just said Washington would have finished 7-9, and nine, most Washington fans would have been happy. Well, yeah, because you the season thinking Dwayne Haskins is going to play most of the year. And that's yeah, probably – And you didn't I mean, know Gibson you had was going to be as good as what he is. No, Gibson's – been very good. Terry McLaurin has missed some time this year. He's a true number one receiving option. They have very good players on this team. And obviously, looking at defensive front, but there have been some good pieces in that secondary as well. So this team is, I think, more complete than people give them credit for. And next, I'll be interested next year when they build on this with a new uh, class of rookies and all that stuff, some time for agency. We'll be very interested to see how this turns out because it could have turned into a very well team. All right. Next, you've got New England at 17, the Chargers at 18. When I look at this, I would favor New England and the Chargers and the Cardinals to all beat Washington right now, possibly beat the Rams and the Bears and the Vikings. I mean, I could actually see the teams you've got ranked at 17, 18, and 19 being like 12, 13, and 14, Sam. And I, I was going to give you crap about the Chargers not being above the Patriots, but then I remembered 45 to nothing. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, you, you can say that even if it's changed a little bit in the past couple, we don't think you're recovering from 45 nothing if they had a rematch. I still think New England would win that game somehow. To me, you're well, right. But it says, I think that says a lot about the teams after what is after 12 or 13 where things really start falling apart here. The Cardinals, I can't put 
a lot of faith in them. They lost them for CJ Beathard at quarterback. They lost to the Rams. They had John Wolford at quarterback. I just don't see the way the Arizona Cardinals right now, even if they were still around in the playoffs, but of anything against some of the top teams in the NFC. The Chargers as well. They went on a hot stretch towards the end of the year, but we've seen people like Dan Quinn do that with Atlanta in the past. I don't know if they're for real. And the Patriots, as long as they have Cam Newton, they're kind of hamstrung offensively. Well, and the Cardinals, don't forget, like week five when they were sitting at like four and one or something, I told you Cliff Kingsbury and the Cardinals would be last next year and he would lose his job. That will happen. Well, it's looking more like it. So I looked at the stats the other day, and the 49ers we'll talk about later. The 49ers like a top five run pass defense this year or something like that. Without all the guys they were missing, without Richard Sherman and Nick Bosa and DeForest Buckley, who they traded. So imagine next year when they're healthy, they're probably going to have a top five DN. Although Robert Sala might leave and maybe that changes, but they could still have a top five defense to get all their offensive pieces back. I think the 49ers will be better than Arizona next year. Yeah. The only question is, would the Rams be better because they need a quarterback and will they go away from golf just because they've got so much money wrapped up in him? I would think you would because it's been long enough. Yeah, you don't expect Goff to get better at this point. So you've had him on your team long enough. You know who Goff is. It's been two consecutive years now where he's been disappointing. He's never beat he had in what was it, like 2018 might have been his best year, maybe it was 2017, whichever one of us. He's never gotten back to that. So I think at this point, if you can move Goff and open up that cap space, why not give it a try? Well, I can tell you this. With the Cardinals, Kyler Murray is what Kyler Murray is always going to be. He's inconsistent. He's nothing great. He's a good quarterback. He was a waste to pick as high as they picked him. Number 20, the Las Vegas Raiders. I think Derek Carr had a great season. Waller, maybe the best tight end in football, at least catching the ball-wise right now. Josh Jacobs is a good running back. They still need to fix some stuff on the offensive line and the defense. Their problem is they're rolling in a division with the Kansas City Chiefs, but they did match up well with the Chiefs in both games. My problem is John Gruden and... I mean, Derek Carr, I think, is underrated as hell. But this team still has holes. I think they're still a year or two away. And I think that if you don't get a playoff berth next year, I think that the heat on the seat of John Gruden will start to heat up quickly. I think it will, too. But do you actually believe they will fire him? I feel like they gave him a 10-year contract. I don't know if they'll fire him. He could have a losing record every single year of that contract. I don't know if they would fire him. I believe they would fire him. Eventually, you got to fire him if nothing's getting any better. And to me, this year mirrored last year. This year, this team should have been nine and seven, ten and six. I don't think it's that bad of a team, especially when you look at the teams that made the playoffs in the AFC. I mean, hell, they dominated the Cleveland Browns. They beat the Kansas City Chiefs. They beat some really good teams, but they lost to some really bad teams. And then they pissed away a game against the Dolphins that would have gave them a winning record. So when I look at a team that continually does stupid stuff to lose games and ends up eight and eight that falls on the coach and they have enough talent to beat anybody because they showed that this year, they beat the saints also. So if you go into the season and you tell me, well, the Raiders are going to beat the saints. They're going to beat the chiefs. You know, I'm going to tell you well, hell they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to be an 11 and five team if they're good enough to do that, but they weren't. So to me, coaching is about consistency. They're not consistent. That's the coach. I mean, one week the game plan's great. The next week, I don't know. I just think there's a lot of questions here. I think John Gruden, his ego is so big. All head coaches' ego are big. But I think his ego is so big, it gets in his way of being able to perform his job. 
Yeah, aside from the coaching, which, by the way, you mentioned this over and over again, when you lose games that are close at the very end, like the Raiders did for most of the second half of the year, that falls in the coach. Defensively, I mean, they just have a lot of stuff on defense. Six or seven new guys defensively. I'll be dead honest. There are maybe three or four players I would keep in that defense. You could probably replace everyone else. Yeah, but the thing is this. They were still good enough with those players to be in all these games. And it's the same thing with Zach Taylor. Although they won the games at the end. The dude is still 1-14-1 in games decided by one score. Next up, we get the New York Giants. The Giants put together a good defense. They still have no quarterback. Saquon Barkley was hurt. I think Joe Judge did a good job for what he's got. I think he needs to shut the hell up when he complains about not making the playoffs because, Joe, you were 6-10. and 10. You didn't deserve the playoffs either way. Neither do the Redskins at 7-9, and nine, but you happen to be in the worst division maybe in the history of the NFL. So quit bitching about that. I think he did a good job, but I think the issue here is quarterback. You've got to fix that. And if they go into next season with Daniel Jones as a starter – Joe Judge is going to be doomed to lose his job at some point. Yeah, if you go in next year with Daniel Jones, maybe we'll get to 8-8. Eight, eight and eight, But I think you plateau around 8-8. Eight and eight. I don't think you'll get much better than that. And maybe, who knows, maybe that's good enough to win this division based on how it's going right now. But I don't think Daniel Jones is the kind of guy who can get you 10 wins. I really don't, no matter how good the defense may be. Because it was good. It wasn't elite. It was a cheer. And the offensive line still has issues. You've had injuries. You don't have a true number one receiver right now. So there's a lot of holes there offensively, and quarterback is certainly one of them. Well, how about this? When you look at the NFC East, is there any team with a great outlook? Because when I look at the Dallas Cowboys, you got to pay Dak Prescott so much money, you may not be able to fix your entire offensive line or your defense. The Washington Redskins, you've got Alex Smith. If this was Alex Smith of five years ago, I would say you might be able to make it to a championship game with him, but it's not. I still think you have issues there, especially defensively. You got some free agents you got to re-sign. The Eagles, who knows what they're going to do at quarterback. They're a mess. Doug Peterson's a mess right now. None of these teams, to me, look like they have a bright future. So if the Giants could somehow get a quarterback in, I think it would give them a shot. But I would say the same thing with the Redskins. The Redskins need a quarterback. I know the Alex Smith story is great, but Alex Smith is only going to get you so far. Hell, in his prime, he was only going to get you so far. That's why... He got the Niners to the championship game. They replaced him with Colin Kaepernick, and then they went to the Super Bowl because Alex Smith is not a playmaker. He is the, what they say, game manager. Every quarterback is a game manager. The difference is this. Great quarterbacks. Tom Brady's a game manager, but in the fourth quarter, he can make that play that can win you the game. Alex Smith cannot. Well, and he might even retire after everything that's happened. Like, why would you Alex Smith? Unless you really love it, or unless there's a lot of money coming to you next year. I don't know why you would come back after everything you've gone through. So this might be a successful farewell for him, in which case you need a quarterback anyways. All right, next up we get the Dallas Cowboys, who we just talked about a little bit. Mike McCarthy should be fired. He's not. Dak Prescott should probably be signed. I mean, I'm sorry, it's hard to find a guy as good as Dak Prescott. And they're probably not. Well, they might draft high enough to get one of these guys, but I really only think there's two guys worth taking in the top 15 in the draft. So I think you're reaching after those two guys, and they have major deficiencies on defense and major deficiencies on the offensive line. And you bring up the the injuries to the offensive line, but a lot of this was you know retirement. Also, I mean, they lose a guy right before the season. Was it Frederick? Yeah, Travis Frederick. Yeah, you lose Travis Frederick right before. This is an offensive line that since 2017 
has gotten slowly worse as times went on. They have a different offensive line coach that they had at that time. And right now, with the coaching staff in place, I think the Dallas Cowboys are absolutely doomed. I think it's a waste of money. They may be able to win the division just because the division is going to suck next year. But other than that, I think the Cowboys have major issues. They need a real GM. They need a real head coach. Yeah, they've dumped so much money into Ezekiel Elliott, who didn't even hit 1,000 yards this year, into Amari Cooper, who might not even be a top-10 receiver, into Demarcus Lawrence, who is probably a top-10 defense, but not one of the elite guys, not one of the top guys in the NFL. And you're going to probably pay Dak Prescott. You're going to have so much backed up in those four players. I don't know how you're going to feel about a complete team. All right, 23 to San Francisco 49ers at 6-10. and 10. If there was any team that I look on this list that think this is a team that could go from 6-10 and 10 to 14-2, and two, this is the team. George Kittle, Raheem Mostert, Nick Bosa, Richard Sherman, hard to play without those guys, especially Kittle, Bosa, and Mostert. Jimmy Garoppolo was also out. My question to you is this, though. Do they stay on pat with Jimmy Garoppolo, wait for him to come back healthy, or do they go find somebody else? I think you seriously got to consider looking at other pieces. I know Garoppolo is a good enough quarterback to get to the Super Bowl because we saw it happen once already. But realistically, he missed most like the most of his first full year with the 49ers. I think he played maybe six games that year. They played most of the last season. He's played three games or four games this year. So his guy in the injuries, he's a middle-tier quarterback, maybe a top-20 guy at most. So I think you have to at least look. You have to know what's available and honestly consider – if we, it's a better option to go like Nanny Dolan versus a Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, because the, the big problem there is this. If we always you know, talk about the injuries with certain quarterbacks like Carson Wentz, Jimmy Garoppolo's probably been more injured than anybody else over the last three or four years. Yeah, half of his games in the past three years. I think one game short of missing half of his games with the 49ers. So it's a serious issue they have to consider. Well, if you go back even, the games where Tom Brady was suspended was that four years ago? I mean, didn't Garoppolo play like one of the games and get hurt? And then you had like Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, Brissett came over. in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So, all right. Number 2040, Atlanta Falcons. I would think this. When we look at the Falcons, I really, even though we made fun of him at the start of the year because what he said about Russell Wilson and not expecting the Seahawks to throw the ball, I think Raheem Morris did a great job with this team. I, I really do. I mean, they fought their asses off every week and they just aren't very good. I mean, you can't be missing Julio Jones. They have next to no run game. The O-line's bad. The defense is bad. I think Raheem Morris did all right with him. I mean, you're not wrong, though. It's close to the Buccaneers. Not this past weekend, but I believe it's back in week 15. They were one score away from Tampa Bay. They were one score from Kansas City. One score against the Chargers. One score against the Saints. They've been close to a lot of these matchups. And a couple, a couple of balls to go their way. And they could be i.e. seven or eight win team this year. All right, Mike Honcho agrees with the Jimmy Garoppolo take we both had, which is the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo needs to no longer be the quarterback there. So Mike is right on top of everything again, as he most normally is. Hopefully Mike's team will win this weekend and embarrass Sam's team. Number 25, the Denver Broncos have hope now. John Elway, as you see on the Sports Center message, is no longer the GM of the Broncos. We don't know what's going to go on with the GM. We don't know what's going to go on with the head coach. I would assume they will hire a GM before they make a determination on Vic Fangio. This is a team that the same issue they've had for the last three years is still there. They need a quarterback. They tried it with Paxton Lynch. They tried it with Drew Locke. And the fact that John Elway would even think Paxton Lynch or Drew Locke could be the answer at starting quarterback for the Broncos is crazy anyways. 
Yeah, I didn't see this move coming, honestly. I thought they were going to keep Elway around just because he's John Elway. I never thought with the power here, but they have. And that's promising because you bring a new GM, he'll just say, look, there's some offensive weapons here. You have Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton. You have weapons here. Noah Fant, tight end. But you don't have a quarterback. I think they desperately need to bring someone in who is eyes open from the outsider perspective who realizes we need to just reset here and find someone else. All right. My candidate for the worst team in the NFL next year is next. 26 Detroit Lions. I think they could possibly part ways with Matthew Stafford. If they do, this is a team that had a 70-year-old running back in Adrian Peterson. I mean, you got Kenny Galladay, who's got injury issues. Detroit's offense sucks, especially if there's no Matt Stafford. And the defense, as you put on here, is even worse. I don't think there's a lot. I think Detroit is probably the worst head coaching opening in the NFL right now. Yeah, because you're not working with anything when you go there. And I think this is a reason that despite the expectations being low, wouldn't hesitate to fire a coach after one or two years. Like, this could be the new Cleveland Browns, basically. This could be the team that will fire head coaches one or two years in before they can get anything set up, before they have their players in the building, really. I think this is an organization that will sit out of this bottom feeder in the NFC for the next Yeah, but how about this? When we look at that, we look at the Cleveland Browns, their problem wasn't that they fired a different coach every year or two. It's the guys they hired to be their coaches. So if you get a guy in there and you know he sucks, you got to get him out of there. The problem was the guy picking the head coach was the problem. And you look at the Hugh Jacksons of the world. Right, we'll go all the way back to Chris Palmer, guys like that. They're not NFL head coaches. So you got to get rid of them when you realize that. The problem is the Cleveland Browns had to keep recycling coaches because they couldn't bring in a good one. And my worry with Detroit being Detroit they're not going to be able to bring in a good one. No, they probably won't, especially if you're talking about moving on from Matt Stafford. If that's in the, if that's in the cards and Kenny Galladay, who's a free agent, what do you have that's attractive at that point? There's no one there in Detroit who could say, well, that's a franchise player if Kenny Galladay leaves a free agency and if you trade Matt Stafford. All right, next up, 27 to Carolina Panthers, 5-11. and 11. Matt Rule, I think, did a good job last year, especially when you're missing Christian McCafferty most of the season. I think what this all comes down to, you bring up possibly they could be a wild-card team next year. I don't think they could be a wild-card team with Teddy Bridgewater. I think the quarterback situation needs to change. Yeah, and there to potentially, if you're looking at maybe just trading quarterbacks in general, I think, honestly, a Stafford, if you somehow manage to pull it, trade Bridgewater for Stafford and some extra draft capital or something like that. I would totally bounce on that because that's be a great move that you bring in the quarterback like that. Because Bridgewater, while he's a solid player, he's a feel-good story after he came back with his leg, he's probably not even a top-20 quarterback sometimes. Like, he's had weeks where he's just been bad. So I think Bridgewater is not the kind of guy who will go out there and lift you up to a playoff first. All right, number 28, the Philadelphia Eagles. Doug Peterson really screwed the pooch on Sunday. I'm sorry, but you don't know if Jalen Hurts really should be your starter. And to pull him going into the fourth quarter of a game that does mean something on prime time, even though it doesn't mean anything for you, it does for the other team. It gives you a chance to see him. So my problem is not that he put Nate Sutfield in because he wanted to see what he could do. I think the problem is he doesn't know what Jalen Hurts exactly can do yet. He had a chance to look at that, and he didn't. I think the ramifications of this will be long-lasting until Doug Peterson's fired mid-season next year. Yeah, and Doug Peterson was a guy we viewed as a top-ten coach coming into this year, but there's been so many marks play calling under Carson Wentz. The situation there, it seems like Carson Wentz and the Eagles are heading for a divorce now. And Peterson, I don't – the Jalen Hurts 
situation. Just very weird. Why wouldn't you want to play for as long as possible? You have no idea who Jalen Hurts is. I mean, I, I like what I saw from Jalen Hurts, but I don't know if you're ready to put him in as a star going into next year yet. So I think that's going to be a terrible situation. I don't see a way where Philadelphia turns this around under Doug Peterson. It's going to take two or three years or four years maybe even to fix this. Well, this is the thing. This was a bad move, and let's face it, for this reason. If Nate Sutfield would have come in and won him the game, everybody would have said he was brilliant. The problem is he didn't. If he would have left Jalen Hurts in and they do win the game, I think that gives Jalen Hurts momentum. It gives you some more confidence that Jalen Hurts might be able to do this. I think right now it's going to be an absolute crap show in Philadelphia. I think that actually the Cincinnati Bengals, who are at 29, should be ahead of Philadelphia. They should be ahead of Detroit. Detroit. And I, I don't know how how you've got Detroit above Carolina. I mean, I just don't because Carolina. I think, I think Matt Stafford was a difference maker there. I, I don't because that's all they got. I mean, when I watched Carolina this year, I see a, I saw a team that fought their butts off all the time. I didn't see that with Detroit. That's my problem with them there. Um, when you look at the Bengals, Zach Taylor should have been fired. He's an idiot. So the question is this, is Joe Burrow good enough to do this on his own? Now, I will preface this by this. I think he is good enough to do this on his own where they can win eight to ten games next year. But that's the cap as long as you've got a guy like Zach Taylor who has no clue and he's in over his head. He Joe Burrow can make him look good. I mean, we've seen it places before. You know, where where a quarterback's so good, you kind of forget that the coach sucks. And I think this is Zach Taylor's only hope here is that he gets a healthy Joe Burrow all year next year. Maybe he wins a few of those close games. He goes 8-8, eight and eight, and then the Bengals front office says, well, hell, he won twice as many games this year, so we're going to keep him around another year. Yeah, and then eventually by the fourth year, fifth year, you'll realize, oh, wait, you're winning seven or nine. You're winning seven to nine games still, and it's not getting any better. Because that's yeah, what you're going to have. Joe Burrow is a great quarterback. And Joe Burrow is going to be tired of winning eight or nine games, maybe making a wild card game and getting beat because you didn't put the players around him. Number 30, the Houston Texans. Deshaun Watson, one of the top four or five quarterbacks in the NFL. He played at an MVP level. Unfortunately, that's all they have. And with the Texans, I would say you got to figure J.J. Watts out of there. I really wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised to see him go team up with his brothers in Pittsburgh. So I think the big question is here, who is going to be the head coach? And will they make the right moves in free agency and the draft? Because they're going to have to do that. The great thing is this. The Colts, the Titans, the Texans, all, all these in the Jaguars all have issues right now. And I can tell you this, right now, if everything is done right in Jacksonville, I think four years from now we could be talking about Jacksonville as the best team in this division. If Houston does everything right, I think you could have one of the best teams in the NFL. I think right now what you've seen is kind of the Joe Burrow effect with Deshaun Watson in Houston, where the quarterback's so good, he'll at least keep you in the games but you can't win them because your coaching's bad. Romeo Cornell's horrible. If you watch that team, the only guy that really looked like he was trying was Deshaun Watson. The entire defense looks like they mailed it in at the end of the year. So I think with Houston, you have some hope because you've got Watson. You don't have to put great players around him, but they got to at least put quality players around him, especially on defense, if they want a chance to win anything. And here's the biggest problem. They don't have a first-round pick this year because they traded to Miami in the Laramie Tunsil deal, which gave Laramie Tunsil a lot of money, a, a record-setting amount of money. So now the cap between paying Watson and paying Laramie Tunsil, you don't have a ton of cap space. You don't have a ton of draft capital. 
my outlook pretty low, not because of Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson's great. I just don't think the pieces around him or even the potential to get the pieces around him to make this a successful football team. All right, next up, the New York Jets at number 31. I don't think it's a bad thing that they didn't get the number one pick because I think it's possible that Sam Darnold, yeah, I'm going to say this, are better is better than anybody that's coming out in this draft. I think people have to remember this about Sam Darnold. Last year, he did win six of the last seven games with him when he was healthy, and they had a decent team around him. Adam Gase, remember what happened to Ryan Tannehill once he got away from Adam Gase. And then my third thing is this. Uh, you know, Sam Darnold's been in the league three, four years. Sam Darnold is still four months younger than Joe Burrow. So I think this, if you're the New York Jets, don't pick a quarterback. Get your lineman. Get you one of those stud wide receivers or tight ends in the draft. Start building an offense for Sam Darnold. Don't get like everybody else and get desperate to draft a quarterback in the first round because really, more often than not, what we've seen in the last 10 years is swings and misses on first-round quarterback picks. You know, look at Denver. When Drew Locke towards the end of the first round, started a second round, um, Mitch Trubisky. I mean, there, there's more misses on quarterbacks in the first round, I think, Sam, than there are makes. And with that being said, I've seen enough from Sam Darnold. I think he could get this done. Well, how about guys like Blaine Gabbard or Christian Ponder as well? There have been plenty of misses in the in – Mark, even Marcus Mariotti and someone like that or Jameis Winston. I think Darnold is a good enough quarterback that he could be a quality starter. He might never turn into a super elite quarterback, but I think he could still be a top 15 guy. And if you're in New York, you've got high – draft pick you got the second overall pick why not use that on another great player or trade it back get more draft capital to build this team up and roll with sam Darnold because the top 15 quarterback right now would be good enough for new york i don't know if If you put the players around him you might have a top five guy i'm just saying i may be crazy i have been before i've been accused of it but i really think if you put sam darnold with the Pittsburgh Steelers right now, the Steelers might have went 16-0. I think Sam Darnold is a really good quarterback. And the thing is this, with Wilson and Lawrence, either one of them or both of them could strike out. You know, And Matthew Stafford, that's a guy that if you put Matthew Stafford in New England, New England might be running that division again. You put him in Washington. He might be running that division again. You put him in Indianapolis, you might be winning a Super Bowl in any of those three places, especially New England or Indianapolis. Um, you put Matt Stafford in San Francisco or with the L.A. Rams. And the thing is this, Matt Stafford's good enough. You can get enough from him as the Detroit Lions that you may be able to get you a few players and maybe a high draft pick or two also. Because right now, if I'm the San Francisco 49ers and I look at what I've got around my or what I've got around my quarterback, Matt Stafford makes me a Super Bowl winner, possibly. Hell, I think Sam Darnold would get it done. I would take Sam Darnold over Jimmy Garoppolo in a New York minute right now. Well, if you had Matt Stafford, if you're the 49ers and you had Stafford during the Super Bowl, think about what difference that would make. You probably would have beaten the Chiefs because that was the close game for most of the thing. You could have beaten the Chiefs. And one Super Bowl, you had a Matt Stafford quarterback. Well, the question is and this. Garoppolo. The question is this. To me, that was more to coaching than Garoppolo. I mean, I, they did yeah. the same thing to him in the championship game. When you put handcuffs yeah. on your quarterback, you can't do much. But that also tells me this. If you put handcuffs on your quarterback, because you remember they lost the Super Bowl with, you know, Matt Ryan as his quarterback, Shanahan, where he threw the ball all the damn time when he should have been running. With Garoppolo, he ran it all the time when he probably should have been about 
So if you give him a quarterback he believes in, he's going to let him throw. He's going to give that guy a chance to win. If you give Matthew Stafford a chance to win that game, he's going to win that game. Because I'll tell you this, I think Matt Stafford's better than Matt Ryan. I mean, I think if you put Matt Stafford in the right situation, he's an MVP candidate next year, and he's in the playoffs with a deep run. When we saw a little bit of that last year when he played, I think, eight games last year, look at the pace he was on at that point in time. We're getting hurt. And again, it comes down to they got hurt because the offense line was destroyed. So I think Stafford, Stafford's a guy from someone to move this year. I mean, he's making someone a playoff contender. He's making someone an immediate Super Bowl contender. Stafford signed somewhere else. Unless it's in Dallas. Well, yeah. There are a couple of teams where it just won't work out. Yeah, it won't work out in Dallas because they got Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy, you did win that one Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers, but you had to 10 years after that. Which, I mean, Mike McCarthy might yeah. be the reason Aaron Rodgers is never considered one of the top three quarterbacks that ever lived. And he might be one. <coughs> so, we will go to the Jacksonville Jaguars. What do you think is going to happen head coach-wise there? You think it's going to be Urban Meyer? You think it's a bunch of crap and you're going to get a guy like Brian DeBall? De I think it's a bunch of crap. I mean, would you bring in... Although that, that ownership, it's hard to tell because that ownership does make bad mistakes all the time. But I really think Urban Meyer, that's, that's a little crap. Why would you want to bring a guy like him who has a track record him off the field, all the scandals and all kind of stuff. He was a college coach who's never been proven in the NFL. Why would you want to take him versus a guy in Brian Dable with the Bulls who worked with Josh Allen? And Brian Dable himself has improved quite a bit as an OC during his time in Buffalo and turned Josh Allen, helped turn Josh Allen from the guy he was as a rookie up to the point he is now. I would absolutely want Brian Dable with Trevor Lawrence and not Urban Meyer. Well, how about this? I, I will say this. If Urban Meyer is the head coach of the Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence is the quarterback, Trevor Lawrence will fail. If it's a guy like Brian Dable, Dabal, whatever the hell they call him from Buffalo, Trevor Lawrence will be a Pro Bowl quarterback. And I, I think this, I think what people don't understand is this is usually how this works. I mean, there's not too many Andrew Lux or Joe Burrows where you throw them in any situation and they're going to be studs. I don't think Trevor Lawrence is that good. I don't think Zach Wilson is that good. But I do think this, you throw him in the right situation. I mean, does anybody here really think, even though Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time, if Tom Brady would have been drafted in the sixth round by the Cleveland Browns, how do you think his career would have went? He would be married to some fat chick at Walmart wearing them tight stretch yoga pants, and he'd be working at Walmart as a greeter, making $10 an hour, living in a trailer. Instead, he went to New England with Bill Belichick, and now he's the greatest that ever lived. Yeah, situation is everything for these kind of guys when they're coming in, into the pros like that. And he's really like, look at Sam Bell. Sam Bell's the perfect guy. You throw him in with Adam Gase in New York. But they don't have a culture, but they don't have a good coaching step in front of office. And look what happens. So I think that's that's a key there. You have right hire here for Jacksonville because hey. you could be the best team in the AFC South if you do this right in a year and a half or two years. Well, and the other thing is this. If Ryan, I mean, Ryan Tannehill was thrown in with your boy Adam Gase, I mean, he looked like a bust. And as soon as he gets away from Ryan Gase or Adam Gase, he becomes a Pro Bowl quarterback that Sam Teets ranks in his top five every week now. I mean, there's a big difference there. And this is what it is. I mean, if Ryan Tannehill, you know, leaves Miami and goes to, hell, Detroit, Arizona, we never see him ever be a top five quarterback. But the ability was always there. 
You know, it's like Kurt Warner, you know, the great story going from arena football to the NFL. I mean, Kurt Warner went to the Rams with Dick Vermeil. Um, they had Mike Martz, who was a horrible head coach, but a great offensive coordinator. He sat behind Trent Green, who was a good quarterback. It was luck. Trent Green got hurt, but there was a great coaching staff and a great situation around him. Now, if Kurt Warner at the same time would have went to the 2001 Cincinnati Bengals, you know, he'd have been a backup for a while. They gave him six or seven games to start. He'd have been out of the league. Nobody would have ever heard about him again. And he would have been bagging groceries at Kroger or at whatever grocery store he was at before. So, I mean, all of this comes down to this. There's very few guys. You know, Peyton Manning was going to be a camp miss. You know, Andrew Luck was going to be a camp miss. John Elway couldn't miss. Didn't matter where they went. They were going to win. You know, John Elway goes to Denver. And he got, I mean, to me, the back-to-back Super Bowls are not as impressive as him getting the 86, 87, and 89 Broncos to the Super Bowl, even though they got killed. Because I think he's about the only quarterback that ever lived that could have got those teams to the Super Bowl. There's very few transcendent players that win either way. I mean, you know, Dan Marino, and I'm going to say this, people are going to think I'm nuts. The worst thing that ever happened to Dan Marino is he went to Miami. I mean, he goes to Miami you got an older Don Shula, older Don Shula, you know, Dan Marino didn't really want to have a running back to run the ball 30 times a game. So they never went and got one. You know, if you would have stuck Dan Marino with Bill Walsh at some point, I mean, Dan Marino would have won Super Bowls. In the end, it wasn't Dan Marino's fault he didn't win Super Bowls. It was the fact that the Miami Dolphins didn't just go get a running game and upgrade the defense a little bit. I mean, it was right there. I mean, the Dolphins were on the cusp of winning a Super Bowl from 1983 to about 1993, 94, 10 or 11-year period. They never even attempted to get a running back. I mean, that's criminal. And that comes back to where he was. So when people want to sit here and say that people are bust, I mean, a lot of times because where they went was a joke. you know. And he said, look at Baker. He needed an O-line and a coach, and then he played well. All right, Mike, this is the thing. We're talking about great quarterbacks. Baker Mayfield in no situation would be a great quarterback. But I can also tell you this. Baker Mayfield, if he had went to the Cincinnati Bengals, would have already been out of the league. Because really, if they don't get the better coaching this year, Baker Mayfield might have been out of the league after this year. So we're, we're and this is the thing. There's no doubt, Mike, and you have to admit this, Baker Mayfield was not worth the first pick in the draft. Because this is the thing. If you're going to be the first quarterback taken in the draft, your ass better win you a Super Bowl at some point in your career. And this is not a shot at the Browns, but they're never going to win a Super Bowl. Not the way it looks now, because I really don't think the coaching is that great there. I think the coaching is a lot better than what it has been. I think they got two great running backs. But I think in the end, this Cleveland Browns team, unless the talent level is really raised, I don't think they're going anywhere. And do we really have faith that the Cleveland Browns are going to make the right moves the next year or two to put this team over the top? And I no, mean, no, Baker Mayfield going to have to pay these guys. Yeah, and to me, Baker Mayfield still looks really uncomfortable when when there's a hard rush coming after him, which is why I would love to pick the Browns in this game this weekend. But that Pittsburgh Steelers, if they could get a pass rush, if T.J. Watt's healthy, Cameron Hayward's healthy. Baker's going to poop his pants. I mean, Baker had a hard enough time beating him without those guys. 
And you can sit there and you can say, well, the Browns were missing some defensive players. That has no bearing on the Cleveland Browns offense against the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. And the Steelers defense is hurting right now. Now, I do think the Browns have a chance because I think if they just buck up and run the ball 40 times with their two stud running backs, I think they can control the clock and they can win the game and they can force Big Ben to maybe force throws he doesn't want to force. That's why I'm 50-50 on this game. But, I mean, in the end, Baker Mayfield is what he is. He's a guy that should have been picked probably mid to late first round. He's going to have a really good career. He might make a few Pro Bowls. But he's the kind of guy that you got to put studs around him to have a chance to win a Super Bowl. You know, I love Andy Dalton, but Andy Dalton's a guy who's good enough, but you got to put studs around him to win a Super Bowl. And, I mean, they play different styles, but I think there's a really good comparison between Dalton and Mayfield, and that's not a shot at Mayfield because I still think Dalton is in the top half of the league in quarterbacks. But you've got to put studs around those guys to win because those guys are not supermen. Neither's Cam Newton, by the way. Yeah, not anymore. Uh yeah, Mike's saying the Browns could go far in the next year or two. They could if they made all the right decisions. I just don't know if I can believe they will. And they have a very good offensive line right now. But what have we seen from the best offensive lines of the past 10 years, from Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, uh, Dallas, they last maybe two or three years as well, about, the best NFL offensive line? How about this move? They traded Kevin Zeitler before last season, correct? Kevin Zeitler, one of the best guards in football. I know that because the Bengals, after the five straight playoff bursts, you had Zeitler and Whitworth both became free agents. And as soon as they became free agents, the Bengals let them go. And since then, the Bengals haven't won more than six games in a season. That's what I'm saying. It seems to me that the Cleveland Browns are in love with picking skill position guys. And teams that do that usually fail. I mean, I could be wrong, but Odell Beckham Jr. is not a great pick to have on your football team if you want to be successful. He's a great receiver. But I don't think Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, there's very few guys like a Julio Jones and a Larry Fitzgerald that are team first. I don't think Odell Beckham is team first. I think that's the issue. It's like A.J. Green. I think A.J. Green's a great receiver. I don't think he's as great as a lot of people think. But I think he was one of the best receivers of the last decade just because he wasn't a me guy. It's hard to find a wide receiver that's not a me guy. It's hard to get guys that will play for something bigger than this, just themselves. And I think with the Cleveland Browns, I don't think you have an organization or a coaching staff that makes guys want to play for something bigger than themselves. I think in New England, those guys play for something bigger than themselves. I know they suck this year. Tell, talk to me two years from now. Let's see what the Patriots are doing compared to the Browns. You know, I, I think in Miami, Brian Flores has those guys playing for something bigger than themselves. The Raiders, I think, are always doing with Gruden. Even with a lot of talent, they might make the playoffs, might make it to a championship game. They're never going to win a Super Bowl because they have a coach whose ego is so big that he cannot get guys to play for something bigger than themselves. You know, he got the Raiders so far, couldn't get them over to the hump. He went to Tampa and took a team that was already there and got them there. They win the Super Bowl. What happens after that? They disappear because that team was already, no matter who, I mean, and I hate to say this, but no matter anybody halfway decent, that would have went in with that defense, Warwick Dunn on offense, Keyshawn Johnson, was going to win a Super Bowl because that team was ready to win it. I'm not a big Tony Dungy fan, but I think if Tony Dungy stays there another year, he wins it. And also, remember, the year the Rams beat the Titans in the Super Bowl, they won like a 12-6 to game over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And if you watch that game, there were some really suspicious calls that made it so they lost that game. 
Don't you ain't got the COVID, do you, Sam? No, I don't. I'm all good. I wanted to make sure because I know you want to go down and get down to that Trump rally once we get done here. But I don't even know. I don't even want to know what's going on in the world politics right now. I don't want to know. You don't, but I mean, it might be forced upon you at some point because everybody's a moron on both sides. But which brings me back to the Browns and the Bengals. So (laughs) I think with the Browns and Bengals, when you looked at the last great Browns teams, I mean, Belichick had a good team. They didn't really let him build it into it. But the last great Browns teams were probably in the mid to late 80s with Marty Schottenheimer. Marty Schottenheimer was a coach that made guys want to play for something bigger than themselves. With the Bengals, Sam Weiss, Forrest Gregg in the 80s were guys that made, especially Forrest Gregg in 1981 and with the Bengals in the early 80s, they played for something bigger than themselves. And I think that's what's missing with most of these coaches in the NFL. I think that's why so many guys fail. You know, they're guys that are worried about keeping their jobs. They're guys that, you know, don't really, the players aren't really confident that this guy knows what he's doing. A great football coach, if you're going in to play in a team that's better than you and you talk to the players, the players will tell you this, they might be better than us, but our our coach will figure out a way to win the game. How many guys are there like that in the NFL? I don't even think the Steelers are like that with Tomlin. I think the Patriots with Bill Belichick probably are. I think John Harbaugh and the Ravens probably are. Um, outside of that, how many other teams do you think are like that? I think I think um, Buffalo's like that. McDermott, I mean, Sean that, McDermott, yeah. And I say that because of this. There is no team that plays with more passion and joy for the game than the Buffalo Bills. That's why I think the Buffalo Bills could beat the Kansas City Chiefs. I think the Chiefs played like that last year, but they won it last year. And, I mean, I've been with teams before to won a championship. The next year, I mean, I was with the team, 96, 97, 98, won three straight championships, all right? And 96, it was awesome when we won it because we'd been trying. We'd been close for a couple of years, finally win the championship. 97, we win it again. Eh, it was cool. 98, we won it again, and we just looked at each other afterwards and said, well, hell, is that it? And I immediately left after that year because there was nothing else to do. I mean, let's face it. Your goal as a professional athlete, a professional coach, is to win a championship. Once you've won that championship, it's really hard to still be hungry. And I know there are a lot of guys that are, but I'm a guy that, hell, I've never been, I've never coached at one spot for more than five years in my entire life. I get bored. I mean, once you've done so much, I mean, hell, I don't need to repeat it. And everybody can say, well, that's what makes you great. The fact that, well, I repeat it. But then after you've done it for three or four years, you're the top dog. Everybody's gunning for you. I want to go someplace where I'm not the top dog and try to figure out and see if I can do it again. You know, to me, if you've got by far the best team, it gets boring. I mean, every place I've ever went to coach, the team usually was not any good when I got there. I don't want to go somewhere where everybody's really good. I want to take something. I want to make it my own, and I want to kick everybody's ass with it. I don't want to just jump on and go coach the Patriots after Bill Belichick win the Super Bowl and everybody will yell, but, you know, Bill won six of them. <laughs> so you got to do it five more times. And, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, all people are different. I just don't think there's many guys like that anymore. I think John Harbaugh, Bill Belichick are the two guys that are like that. I mean, I'm not convinced Mike Tomlin's a great coach. I think the guy in Buffalo is a great coach. I think the guy in Miami, it's still debatable. Still got to get him to the playoffs. But to me right now, 
Sean McDermott has done the best job in the NFL with his team. When you look at this team, I know they made the playoffs last year, but the quarterback play was horrible. Now their quarterback play is great. They went out. They made the right moves. They got Stephon Diggs. They didn't go get Odell Beckham Jr. They got Stephon Diggs. When I watch Stephon Diggs, he's a guy coming out of college that wasn't supposed to be the best wide receiver in football, right? No, he wasn't. He was like a, was he a second or third round pick. He wasn't a first round selection. Yeah, and the thing is this. He had something to prove. And he still plays like he does because very few people mention him. But he is the one guy in the NFL right now, including DeAndre Hopkins. He's the one guy that when I watch him get double teamed, it's like nobody's covering him still. I mean, he gets in space. He moves. He makes plays. And Josh Allen in that first half against Miami, he's why Miami's not in the playoff. That first half, he made some throws after that first drive interception that only guys like Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes make. And he's to the point where he's on their level. Now, to actually get to their level, he got to win a couple playoff games here coming up. But if Josh Allen was to go through and win the Super Bowl here, I mean, there's a real debate. It's not just me sitting here screaming into a, to a tunnel and it coming back at me that I think Josh Allen's better than Patrick Mahomes. If Josh Allen goes and wins the Super Bowl with the Buffalo Bills, who's ever done that before? Yeah, exactly. If he goes and wins it, that'd be him up there with Patrick Mahomes. We do have to wrap this up, though, Mike. I got to go here now. Hell, it's almost 2 o'clock. All right, guys. Yeah. We're going to go ahead and we're going to wrap it up. But for Sam Teets, I'm Mike Goodpastor. You've been watching and listening to The Grueling Truth, where the legends speak.